great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Inside Highmark Stadium, a couple hours after the Buffalo Bills improved to 6-5, and five, putting an absolute beatdown on the New York Jets. 32-6 uh, to six is the final score, and the way that this Jets offense plays football in 2023, it never really felt that close. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Happy Thanksgiving. We are about to start Thanksgiving week and prepare for Thanksgiving like no other no other with unbelievable savings on everything you need to create a memorable holiday meal. Need a juicy golden turkey? How about fresh cranberries for cranberry sauce that's bursting with tangy sweetness? Tops has got it all and more. As you plan your Thanksgiving menu, make Tops your destination for savings. All right, Ryan, we have so much to get into in this game. An offensive explosion of 32 points and I can't really overemphasize how impressive that 32 points is even though I predicted it which you know I, I might have had a defensive touchdown baked into that prediction but nah whatever that's that's uh beside the point this is a Jets defense and a Jets team that hasn't given up 32 points or more in a game since December 5th 2021 almost two calendar years ago what the Bills did in this game today Partly was in, in part, I think, because of what's going on in their offensive side of the ball for the Jets, and we'll get into that in a minute. But in terms of a jumping off point for the Bills refinding the magic on their offense, we'll get into Joe Brady today and, and making a run here with a very daunting schedule. This was the exact recipe. This is what they needed to do, and they went into this game today and they did it. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a huge first test pass for this offense. Uh, going against a, a Jets team that's one of the best defenses in the league, like you mentioned, but also a Jets defense that has given Josh Allen and this team fits the past two years. And you could see the frustration at times in this game coming from the Jets defense, probably partly due to the, the ineptness of their offense, the fact that they're on the field continually, the fact that the Bills are able to continue building leads. Uh, but from the first drive on, whether it was the short field or when they had those long fields, it felt like the Bills were moving the ball consistently, uh, getting up and down the field. They had to settle for some field goals early on, but eventually those turned to touchdowns. And by the end of the game, I mean, the route was on. So a huge first test pass in terms of maybe the toughest defense left on their, their schedule going into you know today and the rest of the season. You know, when you see 4.3 yards per carry for James Cook, it it doesn't really jump off the screen when you're looking at the box score. But his performance in this game to me, and I wrote it in my instant ob observations, was so much more important than the, the final uh, stat line really shows. And, you know, I, I did a little digging before uh, Buffalo kickoff live this morning because I was going to make Cook my player to watch in this game. And I wanted to see how the Bills performed in games where he ran well. And in games that he rushed for 60 yards or more this season going into this game, the Bills were 4-1. and one. And the one loss was the Denver game, which – 
if 12 men on the field doesn't happen, they win that game. They're 5-0. and This is another game that he goes over, over 60. And they were important runs, Ryan, because how they were doing it, how the offense was set up, you know, the way that he was running the ball, Sean McDermott mentioned his pad level and just seeing a different response from James Cook over the last couple of games. It's really important. And in a game like this, to have the kind of balance that this offense had, we're going to talk a lot about Josh Allen uh, in the next couple of minutes, but you know, uh, Latavius Murray, 10 for 35, some important carries baked in there as well. Uh, Ty Johnson, three for 11, but it was the reception going uh, down the sideline for a touchdown. You know, the, the running back trio has really made an impression this week and, and over the last couple in the Bills offense. And I think Ty Johnson, his emergence here late in the year, that could delay any idea or any um, call up for uh, playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, starting first and foremost with James Cook as the as a pure runner, I loved in the first drive some of the patience that he showed on carries, Matt, where it looked like there was nowhere to run. He didn't panic. He kind of waited for something to open up. Then he kind of hit the jets and he would get four, five, six yards on, on a carry. Uh, and that patience, I think, is he hit something. The jets, that it, huh? He hit the yeah, jets. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there you go, Talbot. Uh, just one of those things that I think he's learned in the last calendar year or the last year plus of being a pro where at Georgia, you know, a lot of the time those lanes were there for him and he could just take off and go. He's learning these little things as it goes on. And, you know, in terms of the backs as, as uh, you know, runners and pass catchers, big time shout out to Joe Brady in, in terms of the way that he utilized uh, all three of these backs. Uh, first and foremost, the touchdown reception from James Cook was schemed up perfectly by Brady. Uh, wide open play. Same thing with that fourth and one touchdown pass by Ty Johnson. Again, another easy concept. Uh, the way that he, they ran this play, he was open, easy first down, and then Johnson did the rest. Uh, I, I was telling the shout insiders tonight that had to feel good for Johnson. Johnson was under contract with the Jets. He had re-signed with them this year, tore his pec working out at home. They tell him to get the surgery, and after he gets the surgery, they they release him. And uh, he said he went through some dark, dark days after that. So to be able to be on the field in this game and score a big touchdown to really put it out of uh, con- you know put it out of any kind of comeback for the Jets, I'm sure that felt really good for Johnson. Yeah, and I think that's a good time as any to to really dive into this. Joe Brady first game and what our impressions of uh, are of uh, his situation. And we, we got a cool super chat before we even went live here uh, came from Michael Duell over on YouTube. Did the rhythm come from Brady or Josh getting a haircut, LOL. And Josh did have a fresh new fade. The, the semi mullet is what I called it before the game is gone. Um, but Brady's week, like what a tumultuous, stressful ordeal this must have been for Joe Brady. And, you know, he tweeted 1-0 after uh, the game. And what's funny is people are reacting to it in, 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 in a large rate here in the last hour or so. He does this after every time the Bills win. That's just kind of his deal. And, you know, Sean McDermott said what he he saw from Joe Brady early in the week was the leadership that he showed assembling the offensive staff together, getting everybody on the same page, bringing energy, right? That's been the buzzword every single day to the building. And it it kind of um, morphed into this rallying cry for this team that 
I, I think got the message and, you know, bringing some fun back to the building, finding a way to have a little bit more fun. You saw the fun play out on the field as they were celebrating the touchdowns and Josh Allen just looking like the version of the player uh, that he's been. And, you know, I think Joe Brady deserves a lot of credit for that. I know it can't be an easy situation knowing how much everybody loved Ken Dorsey in the building. And, and many of the players have talked about that coaches as well, but it's one of those things where Brady just seemed to bring out the confidence back in this offense with the way that he called the, the, the plays, the way that this game went, Ryan, this is, I can't overstate enough how important of a performance this is against the opponent, how good the Jets defense are. It was such a chippy game because teams don't do this to the Jets. That's why they were getting so frustrated with it. That's why Deion Dawkins was in a scuffle uh, with some guys in the, in the, in the tunnel at Oliver, I believe was involved as well after the game, because you know, on the road at the Meadowlands, teams don't do this to the Jets. No, it doesn't usually happen. And to answer Michael's question, fifty-one uh, percent, I would say Brady, forty-nine percent Allen. Allen taking on the personality uh, of his OC. You know, when it was Dorsey, Dorsey had that longer, shaggy hair. Allen does it. Uh, Brady kind of has the Talbot haircut, very short and to the point. So Allen went a little bit shorter too. But in in all seriousness, uh, the offense did look like they were having fun out there. Uh, today, Matt, and some of the things that we were looking for from Joe Brady, sure enough, we saw we right out of the gate, we saw the motion, pre-snap motion, Stefan Diggs going back and forth uh, early on in this game. We saw a lot of the play-action bootlegs. <laughs> uh, play-action was a big uh, part of his you know, play calling in Carolina. Being under center, we saw a lot of that today, too. So a, a lot of positive signs here early on. And perhaps what I liked most was the way that he utilized and attacked the middle of the field in terms of his play calls to Josh Allen. And uh, if that read to Diggs wasn't there, you know, you had Kincaid in the middle or you had your backs in the middle. You had other guys that you could utilize. And going back to our preview show, we had a whole conversation. Does this need to be a Stefan Diggs game? And I said it doesn't because this is a Jets team that that is terrible on offense. And uh, it didn't need to be a Stefan Diggs game today. Uh, th they had other people step up. We already talked about Ty Johnson. You had Khalil Shakir uh, with the longest uh, touchdown reception of the year so far in the NFL. Uh, based on what he did today, you had obviously a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball step up too. Leonard Floyd, Rasul Douglas more than anyone else. But it was a total group effort. But offensively, this team this offense was in a flow which they seem to struggle to do under Ken Dorsey yeah I mean the the, the middle of the field here uh I, I just brought up the next gen chart and you know you look I'm counting them like if in between the hashes just in between the hashes one two three four five six of his 32 throws you could probably toss in um seven, eight, nine, probably nine in that range. And so that's, to your point, really important. And you saw the short area of the field is where they really chose to attack. And, you know, Mitch Morris leaned into what we talked about on the preview show when we were talking about it to him in his locker about how it's not just a quarterback and, and play caller deal when it comes to boredom and and not like leaning into that part of it it's it's for the offensive line too I mean there there's certain things that they want to do in games there's certain lulls in the offense where they got to fight against that as well uh, against that as well but you have to know who you're playing and this was a complete 
flip from what we saw them do against the Jets in tw- in week one because you can't play that style against them. If you try to attack down the field over and over, the big plays are never going to come. And I felt like, to Josh Allen's credit, the, the biggest part of this game was taking what was there, taking a couple chances. I mean, listen, the, the Khalil Shakir touchdown pass was a bit of a chance. If, if Sauce Gardner is one step further in front, maybe he makes a play on that ball. I don't think so. I know Jets fans were in my mentions when I said that Khalil Shakir absolutely schooled Sauce Gardner, but I'm sorry. When a fifth-round draft pick in a second season takes it to the house and you're the man in coverage off the jump, I'm going to give you a little bit of a heckle there. I mean, that is that that is a huge play for Shakir, and, and Sauce Gardner had a, had a chance to make a play on it, and bottom line, he didn't, and he likes to kind of, you know, play the game with, you know, the, the uh, brashness. And I like it. I, I actually am a, a fan of sauce Gardner just from a football sense, watching him play the game, but he got beat on that play. And he, and he couldn't even get back in the play. And, you know, it, it, on a play when Khalil Shakir said after the game that it felt like he was kind of running in slow motion, which has to feel even worse for Gardner and the jets. Yeah. You know, if Gardner had the same kind of hustle that he did going to the locker room and getting on Twitter or X, he probably would have made a play on that ball. He gets beaten uh, by Khalil Shakir, and yes, it's his own defense, but he was the man closest in coverage. He went for the interception. And then after that, his effort, he, he kind of slowed down to a jog at one point. And when Shakir made that last cut, it gave him a chance to get back into the picture. If he's running full speed, he probably tackles Shakir. Uh, but instead, when by the time he gets back in, it's Dalton Kikade coming in with a hip check that pretty much uh, took out all three Jets defenders as Shakir ran to the end zone. So some some much-needed uh, crit, you know, or so much warranted, I guess, criticism for Sauce Gardner uh, in terms of this guy that is generally an elite cornerback. He gets ha- called for a defensive holding. He gets called for a personal foul for suplexing. Uh, Stefan Diggs, well after a play, you know, he was one of those players that lost his cool because of the way the Bills were able to move the ball up and down on this team all night. All right, we got to get into Josh Allen here quickly, and I feel bad that we've gone. Lost you there for a minute. And let's see here, 15 minutes almost on this podcast. And we haven't touched on the deep again. It's Jared penalty earlier today. Um, did you leave me for a second there? Yeah. Um, yep, I got you now. Maybe. <laughs> did you leave me for the first second there? I bet. Yeah, you've been a little choppy. You got me back? Yep. Yeah, why don't you why don't you go and talk for a second? I'm gonna go on a different internet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when Matt gets back in here, we'll we'll kind of give our not final thoughts on the offense, but before we shift gears here, I, I do want to give some shine though to the defensive side of the ball right now. Uh, while I have this opportunity, Russell Douglas. You know what? What a day by this uh, cornerback acquired at the trade deadline by Brandon Bean gets the early interception. I know he was penalized for pass interference. I thought that was kind of a ticky-tack call where he made a play on the ball and that. He has a second interception later in the game. He has a fumble recovery all over the field for this team. Uh, The whole defensive line I want to get into here a little bit, but it looks like you are back now, Matt. So uh, maybe we'll touch upon our final thoughts. Am I back? It looks like it. Uh, And Josh Allen. Can you hear me? Am I breaking up or am I good to go? You're good to go now. Dude, the 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 Mac Chronicle says that Matt Prino got his Wi-Fi 
at tops apparently too. Well, if I got my Wi-Fi at tops, Mac Chronicle, it would be working. All right. Cause everything works at tops friendly markets. Right. Bam. Now that transition. And here's another thing I'm at Highmark stadium. So it's the bills Wi-Fi that's not working. So boom, roasted. Anyway, moving on, let's get into Josh Allen here. Um, he was sensational today. I mean, I, one of the most impressive games watching him work in this one finished his 20th, 32, 63%, 275, three touchdowns in the pick on the Hail Mary uh, that, that probably kept him from a, a much nicer uh, quarterback rating in this one. Funny little side note, Zach Wilson, as bad as ever, gets benched. Um, Thomas Morstead, the punter, had the best passer rating yeah. on the <laughs> – on the fake punt, uh, really, really bad uh, situation for the Jets at quarterback. But for me with Allen, it just – it feels like it's important to know that you can kind of go through struggles or bad periods and find a way to flush it and move on to another section of what you're trying to do as a player. And, you know, he looked really comfortable today. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot of, of Josh Allen over the last couple of weeks. It's just that comfort level, knowing that you go out there and make plays. I felt like that things were clicking early on. I think you got to give Joe Brady a bit of, of credit for that as well, uh, being that this is his first game. But we're going to get a chance to see how much it kind of extends into the next couple of weeks because the challenges get more difficult. And the, the guy on the other side, like you don't get to play Zach Wilson every week. Now you also don't have to play against the Jets defense every week. And we know that the Eagles defense hasn't been as good uh, this season as in years past. The, the Chiefs have been, and then obviously you have uh, the Dallas Cowboys on the other end of that, but uh, a really tough stretch, but this is what they needed from Allen to kind of run themselves into that stretch. Yeah, absolutely. The one interception, like you said, came on that Hail Mary into the wind before halftime. I, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into that, but anyone that didn't watch the game will see it. Oh, another, you know, turnover for Allen. He was very good with the ball in terms of taking what was given to him, not forcing it in the one deep ball that he did attempt, obviously to Shakir worked out in his favor, but uh, he limited those throws. He limited those risky plays and it paid off for him. And uh, although the Josh Allen runs for the most part today did not work because there were a few design QB runs drawn up. I like seeing them in, in there because it gives defenses something to think about. Just like the, uh, the the running play there by Deontay Hardy, the jet sweep, it, it went for a loss of yards. And some of these Josh Allen runs went for little to no gain. But it's another wrinkle now that defenses have to account for that. Okay, well, the Bills tried this or the Bills are going to roll this out. They're going to let Josh Allen use his legs a little bit more. They're going to finally utilize players X, Y, and Z. This was a very promising performance from Allen down on offense in Joe Brady's debut. Um, let's get into the defensive side of the ball here. And I think the best place to start is Leonard Floyd and a guy that continues to be the most important offseason addition for the Buffalo Bills. Because if you look across that defensive line, Von Miller is still not all the way back. And, and honestly, that's putting it kindly. I mean, he's looked like a shell of himself. And you have to start to wonder as these weeks tick by and we don't see an uptick in not even production, but just being out there and looking like any version of the guy that, you know, everybody's used to seeing. I mean, I'm look, looking for him on the stat sheet here. Does he even have a tackle? I don't, I don't think he had a tackle again this I'm week. I'm not sure if he did either. He didn't. He's not even on the stat no. sheet. 
Uh, I think I heard a murmur of like 15 snaps in this game. We'll get a, a clearer look of that tomorrow. Um, but Leonard Floyd, three quarterback hits, two tackles for a loss, and two and a half sacks in this game. He now sits at nine and a half sacks on the season. I mean, that is massive production, and we still have six games to go in the season. He's going to have a double-digit sack season. Nobody on the Bills had that a year ago. Um, they got him for a fraction of what they should be paying for this kind of sack production. He's just been a problem, and it goes beyond the sack production. Because I do agree with, I think it's Robert Sala who was talking about that this week with Quinn and Williams about the fact that way too much gets put, put on sack production and not enough on how much you affect the quarterback and what teams are doing. And you're seeing that consistently, that Floyd is is forcing quarterbacks off their mark, forcing them to navigate the pocket and putting a lot of stress on them. And at Oliver, ho-hum, another sack tonight. He continues to add on his career season as a pass rusher. Yeah, Leonard Floyd, you know, he's. it almost feels like exactly what the Bills have tried to do throughout this whole regime and this tenure with these veterans that they've signed at times. You know, early on in this regime, the Trent Murphys and the Mario Addisons, and those guys didn't pay off. But this offseason, they're able to get uh, a Leonard Floyd, uh, I don't want to say late in, in the summer. I mean, it was late in for free agency, though, when they were able to acquire him. And he comes in and he's actually delivering in terms of what the Bills were expecting out of him in, in this one season. Like you said, nine and a half sacks now. Uh, he's in the top five, I believe, or uh, at least he was going into tonight's game in, in terms of sack totals. He's generating that pressure. Uh, Shaq Lawson was winning today off the line a lot. Uh, and, you know, he, he's really good against the run, but he's not someone that's a consistent threat. We've seen A.J. Epinesa have a career year. Uh, Greg Rousseau, when he's been on the healthier side, is doing really well. So you're having a lot of guys on this line step up, but no one has stepped up more at, from the defensive end position than Leonard Floyd. It was an outstanding signing for this team, a very savvy signing. Uh, and you saw what he could do today in terms of generating pressure off the uh, off the bat, but also finishing those plays and sacking Zach Wilson. You know, it's funny about Salah. Like, so did, did you watch all of Hard Knocks or any of Hard Knocks? I did not. Uh, coming off Hard Knocks, like just Salah just gave me like the wrong vibe. Like I I just didn't love what I saw. Like he gives me this like this vibe about like being so cocky for having done absolutely nothing really in the league. And listen, they had a couple of really good defenses in San Francisco, but you're not a Super Bowl winning coordinator coming into this job. It's just, it always has felt off with the displaced like belief in everything and in the cocky, arrogant way that he goes about it. And it's funny. I'm looking at a quote, our good buddy, uh, Joe Marino uh, tweeted out his podcast, Locked on Bills. It's a great listen. Always, uh, always uh, try to put people onto that. And a quote from Robert Sauer where he said, they played a patient style of game. Josh didn't play as much hero ball as we're used to seeing. He was much more decisive. And maybe he didn't mean it like that, but it just it comes off as like this weird kind of like shot at him in a game where I thought, Josh, this was a, a master class against a master defense because you have to play a certain style. You have to be composed. You have to be controlled. And there was still like the big plays in this game, big important plays on third down too early in the game. And so um, I, I think this is a, a an interesting kind of pivot point. And it's interesting too, like how far the Bills have come under, it, like in this era with Josh Allen as the quarterback, 
away from reactiveness from all these little like one-off um what's the word uh, feuds and mm-hmm. more so like it's not even on their radar like i don't think josh allen was even asked about sala this week it doesn't feel like the jets are on the bills level and even in a season where the bills have been kind of floundering a little bit at points yeah, and that's fair. And, you know, Sala with the whole embarrassing quarterbacks comment earlier this year. Uh, sometimes after some of these wins, it, it looks like he's celebrating a playoff victory, and I get it. Uh, the Jets' defense have carried them to some impressive wins this season, but you're right. They they haven't uh, done much, or he hasn't done much here as Jets head coach. Joe Douglas hasn't done much. Uh, wouldn't shock me if they move on from that head coach-GM duo in the offseason but that's a different matter. The, the Bills kind of came into this game uh, just kind of focused on the game itself, not any of the previous chatter, uh, nothing that, like you said, put them on the radar, although it does seem like Deion Dawkins not a fan of uh, the Jets based on some of the things he said post game, based on some of the skirmishes he had on the field and in the locker, uh, going to the locker room after the game as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a pretty heated deal, and I'm actually excited because Rich Samini. Uh, just put out a video of the exchange uh, like about five minutes ago. It was from a distance, but apparently you can hear a little bit of the exchange in the tunnel. Uh, Deion Dawkins, I mean, it started in the game. I think it was Michael Clemens, right? Yeah. Like where they had a little bit of a exchange off of a block from Deion's, and then he did like his best LeBron James impression, flopped a little bit, and uh, it was physical all game. I mean, there was the – you know, the sauce Gardner suplex on Stefan Diggs where Spencer Brown comes flying in and puts a hit on him uh, back and forth, back and forth. And then it kind of, you know, went into the um, tunnel as well. But it's kind of good for football, too, a little bit, right? Like it is football at the end of the day. I mean, sometimes when you have a real rival team, there should be a little bit of animosity. And uh, uh, Pops Mafia is asking where he can watch the video from the tunnel. It is Rich Samini, uh, ESPN uh, Jets beat reporter, he just put out a, a video of it. And I'll definitely add that to the story that I have up on uh, nyf.com and syracuse.com. But yeah, I mean, divisional matchup, definitely some chippiness in this game. Stefan Diggs getting into it a little bit late in the game. Uh, we already mentioned Sauce Gardner with the, the suplex after, well after the whistle, the Deion Dawkins, Michael Clemens exchange. So it, it definitely had some chippiness to it. And that's what you expect in these division games i'm sorry i'm watching the video as it goes it's it's pretty serious business i mean they really they really got into each other's face and uh there's even a a better video that uh uh, at o livingston tv uh tweeted as well and you could kind of see Deion dawkins and clemens getting after in each other's face right outside of the bills locker room entrance uh, and I believe at one point somebody told me um, Ed Oliver came into the mix as well. Uh, but you could take a look at all of these videos. They're, they're all up there. And, you know, you mentioned the quote from Dion. I tweeted that as well. He said he just doesn't like those guys. And uh, he said, I'm a humble guy, but I'm not a fan of, of the Jets. Very disrespectful players. It's what it is. And when we could run and pass and beat a team like that, cool. Thumbs up. He also said, Ryan which I thought was interesting. So the Jets defensive line coach, let me look this up real quick. His name is Aaron White Cotton. He was a defensive assistant uh, on the Bills from, Mm -hmm. I think, 17 to 19. So crossover with Dawkins. Dawkins specifically mentioned 
him when talking about uh, how this whole deal happened. And he said he doesn't like him either. Wow. That, that's that's something because you're, you're right. I remember that name. I, when As soon as you said it, he was with the Bills there for a, for a short stint. So to specifically uh, call him out too is is something else. And, you know, the, these two teams won't uh, – see each other again this year, but I'm sure that chippiness will remain in uh, 2024 and beyond. So you're not predicting a Jets playoff run. So I am not. I, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers' comeback is going to wait until 2024. I guess it's dependent on the Jets being in the playoff picture, and I don't see that being a possibility. Um, yeah, he said it's probably uh, – I asked him if like if, if, it's a, if it's a defense that's used to – like dominating offenses and maybe that frustration is what led to the chippiness and he said it's probably anger a little bit of a, a lot of bit of emotions there's a lot of emotional guys over there very emotional guys like even their d-line coach very emotional unmanly just very emotional guys direct Ooh. direct shots man I mean, <laughs> yeah that's, I yeah, that's pretty so. uh because dia doc is usually like the snowman all fun but right. he, does, he can flip that switch and he gets really super competitive and he doesn't stand for kind of some of that stuff. No, he does not. So yeah, I mean, uh, definitely got chippy in game and then after the game as well. So let's get into the injuries here, Ryan. Um, before we do though, I have to, uh, tell everybody to become a, a shout Buffalo bills insider, a little story. So we have a bunch of outstanding, um, insiders that we we interact with on the daily uh you know me and you uh answer questions we send out like uh, some of our thoughts our takes insider stuff stuff that you know, there's a lot of stuff i put on there that i don't even put on on social media i never have it's it's a different form of like uh connection to our fans um mike taylor and mark uh, Bouchard, i think i'm pronouncing his last name uh insiders since the beginning and they both hit me up on the insider text line and said, hey, we're coming uh, into town. Are you guys doing a Wingnuts event? And I said, no, we're not. We couldn't get a date lined up, which speaking of which, the next one is December 2nd. And so I said, uh, oh, man, we were going to go to Wingnuts. I think we're going to go to Wingnuts anyway. And so I said, you know what? You're going to Wingnuts. I'll meet you there. So I ended up meeting uh, Mike and his family. Uh, Caitlin and the kids came out, too. We, we, we ate uh, – uh, some of the best chicken wings in town with them. I ran into Mark and his wife as well, which was awesome uh, to catch up with them a little bit. But it's just a cool way to connect with fans uh, a little bit more closely. Uh, it, it's a really great time. And uh, you can sign up to become a Shout Insider right now at 716-528-6727. That's 716-528-6727. The Shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letra, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234. That's 852-1234. Or check out LetraLaw.com. Ryan, the Bills lost three defensive backs in this game. Scary situation that played out with uh, Taylor Rapp needing his face mask removed after a, a hit to the head, neck, shoulder area. It was hard to really tell what specifically happened. Uh, the Bills announced it as a neck injury. Uh, he got uh, was placed on a backboard. They put him on the ambulance. He's now at home, which is really, really good yeah. news. Um, but at the time, he got the hit, popped up, and then it was – he kind of like wilted back down to his knees. It, it seemed like it was a neck kind of like shoulder area situation. It was a really good pop on Brees Hall, who is an absolute 
monster of a runner. I thought at one point he hit Micah Hyde, I think, on a, on a play, and I thought he was kind of banged up on a play. Taron Johnson, though, concussion, and then um, Dane Jackson leaves the game. Christian Benford was able to come in uh, in that backup role and finish, but that secondary, man, beat up again all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, it's it feels like the same, you know, the same tune that we've been singing all year long. This secondary keeps getting banged up at cornerback and at safety, and they just can't stay healthy. You know, Dane Jackson plays a very physical style and uh, a very solid tackler for that for that reason. But early on in the game, he goes down with an injury, and you know, Christian Benford. I think his snaps were going to be somewhat limited in this game. Uh, had Jackson stayed healthy, it was kind of a, you know, going into it, I, I saw it described as a, you know, break in case of emergency type situation uh, in regards to his playing time. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And he came out, he almost had an interception at one point. He played a pretty solid brand of football, but obviously of the three, and uh, not trying to downplay any injuries, Taron Johnson obviously is the, uh, the biggest name involved in who was hurt because he is so important to this defense and what he does from that nickel cornerback position. So uh, going into next week and into a big-time game, you have to hope that he can clear that concussion protocol uh, because replacing him is not easy. I know they have a lot of faith in Cam Lewis and and other players on this roster, but he is one of their best defenders just overall in general. So that will be key. As for Taylor Rapp, I think you described it well. Same play as the Taron Johnson injury. They're all kind of attending to Johnson, and all of a sudden – you see him up on his feet, go down to like a knee. Uh, you could tell that something was wrong. And before you know it, he was the one that uh, need, he needed to have that ambulance. Luckily, they didn't have to take him to the hospital. He was still in the locker room uh, after halftime. They sat on the on television. And then, like you said, uh, Sean McDermott reported that he believes he's at home now. So all positive signs. Uh, you hope that all three of these players are back sooner rather than later. You said that uh, you said you thought I explained that well, which is cool. Like it would have been terrible if you said I thought you explained that poorly. Uh, <laughs> would have really just put me in a, you know, back me into a corner. There well, like the whole, you know, the whole like how he wilted after because he was standing up afterwards after the hit. So right. I just it, just it kind of reminded me of Demar a little bit, and it was kind of scary for a moment because the ambulance was out on the field. Every time that happens now, you're always going to kind of get taken back there a little bit. But even just in that sense, like coming up for a second looking like he was okay and then and then going back down the Terran one to me is the most troublesome because you right. think about next week and if he's in the concussion protocol and isn't able to make his way back i mean listen cam lewis i thought came in played fought fought like hell like played a really nice game uh, a huge opportunity potentially for him but not even just from a playing perspective cam in that role has gotten banged up himself in the past so it's like right. if you're down Taron and then you go to Cam if he goes down in the game where do you go from that this obviously places DeMar Hamlin now if both of those guys are hurt it places DeMar Hamlin in a bigger role as well where he'd actually even might have to come in and play some safety on some of those dime looks so um a lot of moving parts Dane Jackson if he's not if he's not able to play next week you have Benford but you're probably gonna have to sign Josh Norman or use the final elevation on Jamarcus Ingram, which I don't think that they'd be willing to do. And one thing I got to find out, remind me this week, if Norman is, if he reverted back to the bills practice squad because he cleared rate waivers, the bills never uh, updated us on that. So I'm going to try to do some reporting on that this week and figure that out because if he did, 
I'm wondering if he now gets a new set of three elevations. For, from my yeah, and I, I looked into that actually. Uh, from my understanding, I believe you do get uh, more elevations once you revert. And what's interesting with him is he is a you know a vested veteran. I was wondering about the whole process and procedure, but. Uh, it'll be good to get some clarity on that this week. And if that is the case, you would likely be the candidate to get the uh, elevation once again. But something to monitor. And, and like you said, hoping that uh, all three of these defensive backs can get onto the field soon. And, you know, we, we're talking here about Christian Benford. We're talking here about um, Dane Jackson. But who we also have to talk about in this game, Rasul Douglas, Two interceptions. First time a Bills cornerback has done that since 2019 when Tredavious White did it. Um, just a huge performance and an absolute home run of a trade deadline deal for uh, Brandon Bean. Year removed from a whiff, right? Like Naheem Hines, outside of those kick returns in the Patriots game, and those were, you know, probably worth the deal. You know, I mean, that was a really tough point in the season and the way that he rallied everybody he was a good teammate uh, who knows what would have been this year if he hadn't been in that accident. But this is a, a trade of a completely different caliber. I mean, he comes in Russell Douglas and has completely made an impact in three games. And, um, you know, Sean McDermott said he's getting more and more comfortable as they go along really big performance today. And I thought in a couple of one-on-one matchups with Garrett Wilson, especially the interception where he jumped the route. I mean, he just outplayed what who a lot of people believe is a top-tier wide receiver in this league. Yeah, outstanding trade for Brandon Bean. You acquire a guy that you have under contract technically next year as well. Uh, you get a fifth back for a third round pick in a year where you have two third where you had two third rounders. So uh you're you're still keeping that uh you know day two pick or one of those two day two picks that you covet so much, and you're getting an impact number one cornerback. Uh, not just for this year, but for next year as well. So great get for the Bills, and he's been playing like it ever since he's been on the field and you know, limited reps his, his first game or limited opportunities. But now he, he looks like he's comfortable in the system, two interceptions. Uh, I believe he had the fumble recovery too. Uh, just uh, an unbelievable game from Rasul Douglas and now going against one of his former teams next week uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm texting you um, a question for Wednesday's show mm -hmm. that we're going to cover, uh, but I don't want to do it in this episode because this is the reaction show, and I feel like that's it would be unfair to everybody. And so sometimes I have these ideas, and I'm like, we'll do it on Wednesday, and then I forget about it. So we're not going to do that this time, Ryan. We're gonna we're gonna really hit it. Um, what else do you want to cover here? Because I feel like there was so much that happened in this game. Um, I thought that the offensive line, we haven't spent a second talking about that unit today. And you look at uh, the, the holistic just game stats uh, for this one. The Jets finished with a Quinn and Williams sack is their only sack in the game. And I'm pretty sure it happened on the first offensive drive right. that ended up uh, forcing them to kick the field goal. The rest of the game, Ryan, Four quarterback hits. This was a – I really, truly believe this was an offensive line that just completely dominated that that Jets defensive line. This is an absolutely huge piece of this offensive performance. And I think, you know, looking ahead to, you know, the Chris Jones-led Chiefs, the um, Micah Parsons-led Cowboys, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, which you can't even name one guy. They got a bunch of guys up front that are really good. This is a massive performance, and – 
under the radar, what's been happening here is like a huge jump year for Spencer Brown. Deion Dawkins playing like the left tackle he was in 21 again. And then Connor McGovern really being the, the key ingredient to getting this offensive line to a level of real consistency, especially in pass blocking. But I can't even just say that. They were good in the run game too today. Yeah, O-line played great. Josh Allen's one sack that he took was – I think it was a combination of Allen holding the ball too long. I think he patted the ball three times on that play, but also no one being open down the field. It was not a O-line, you know, you know, leaking someone through or letting up in stint pressure. Uh, so I thought they had an unbelievable game. One area that I would like to focus on, Matt, real quick, is special teams and, and Reggie mm. Gilliam and uh, how he set the tone early on here for the Bills. Uh, you come down, you know, you, you defer, you kick it off, and he comes down and he hits the hit stick on uh, Gibson, who had had that game-winning punt return in, in the first matchup, causes the fumble. Uh, Quentin Morris recovers with second uh, kick or punt downfield or second kick downfield. Again, another big hit by Reggie Gilliam. So this special teams unit was kind of flying all day. Saran Neal had a big play. Still some shaky play from Sam Martin in terms of his punting. But the coverage units looked really good today, and, and that's been an area uh, that, that has been a little bit concerning at times this year. Yeah, I, honestly, if the game were any closer, I think that we'd probably be spending more time talking about that fake punt that went uh, for yeah. uh, a, a big gain and obviously couldn't even went for a bigger gain. And that ended up leading to their only touchdown. And uh, Elena gave me a little shout-out on Twitter because we're sitting there and they're going out for the punt team, and I'm like, they're going to fake this punt. I mean, they're if you're Robert Sala and your offense is that inept, you have to do something before halftime. I mean, the Bills get the ball back after halftime, so I just figured, okay, they're they're going to fake a punt here. Like, it's got to happen here. I was surprised they didn't do it earlier. They ended up faking the punt. You have to be ready for that every single time. That If I could say that, you know, never coaching a game of football, like you, Matthew Smiley, you got to be down there and be ready for that. And that's a second straight week there's been a bit of a special teams gap. And of course it didn't have a impact on the game. The bills ran away with this thing, but that's the kind of thing in a close game here, next couple of weeks where every play is going to matter and, and potentially a close game against some good teams uh, that, that, that can't happen again. No, I mean, it, and it truly took away Buffalo's ability to double dip. I know that they were able to get it close to midfield uh, with the limited time they had left, but the, the jets were able to pretty much control the clock uh, late in the second quarter after that fake punt, they were able to benefit from, uh, I believe, a personal foul penalty, too, on that drive. So little things like that worked into their favor, uh, and it prevented the Bills from being able to, to have a longer extended drive right before half and then get the ball back in the third quarter and maybe put the game away even earlier than it was, although this one never really felt close, even with that touchdown score, even with the Bills just up 16-6 to at halftime. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that is one plan special teams where they need to be better. They need to be prepared for that, knowing that the Jets were a desperate team whose offense just simply was not uh, working whatsoever, not just this week, but overall this season with Zach Wilson at the helm. Yeah, it wasn't working, but what's going to be working this week is the Tops Friendly Markets mobile app, and you can use it to get all of your Thanksgiving shopping done in an instant download the tops markets mobile app and get the most out of your shopping experience check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand select your preferred store browse and shop the weekly ad or by specific department easily locate products at your preferred store with its built-in aisle directory enjoy contactless shopping with tops grocery pickup or delivery service clip digital coupons directly to your tops 
bonus plus card. It's easy to download. You can get it in the App Store uh, or Google Play, uh, the Apple App Store or Google Play. Uh, get it today. Get yourself uh, all uh, set up for Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Thanksgiving, Ryan? You know, as, re- as ready as one can be. We haven't been home the past two years, so this is going to be different, Matt. I know. We can't go to Detroit this year, which, gosh, I've never seen a guy's face light up more when told <laughs> that he gets to skip Thanksgiving and go to Detroit. I still am just befuddled about it a year later. Yeah, I understand. You know, I, I will say New Orleans was definitely the, the better of the two, and Detroit uh, left a lot to be desired. But it's always good to be, uh, you know, these 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 big time games with America watching, having the Bills involved. So it, it was definitely fun, despite having to spend Thanksgiving in Detroit one year ago. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, this has been the post game edition. Bills thirty two. Uh, Jets six, you know, woo, something bad's going to happen for this team here in the next couple of weeks. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Wednesday, Staples Show. Take care.